It was December 17th, 1903, 120 years ago. Two brothers in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, Orville and Wilbur Wright, achieved something that had never been done, the very first flight, which changed the course of history for all of us forever. And on that day, December 17th, 120 years ago, their flight, though it only lasted 12 seconds and they only traveled 120 feet, it changed history. It was a significant moment in time for all of us. Well, they were so excited that they, they wanted to get news back to their family, so they sent a telegraph home to their sister, Catherine. They were from Dayton, Ohio, and they figured the, the ocean current in North Carolina would be better to get a, a flight, a plane off the ground. And so they sent the telegram home to their sister, excited. We flew today for the first time, 12 seconds, 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. Well, Catherine received the telegram. She was so excited about this significant achievement in history. This moment in time that she knew would change the course of our lives. So she went to the local newspaper and she talked to the newspaper editor and she showed the editor the telegram. And the editor read the telegram and excited proclaimed, that's great news. Your brothers are going to be home for Christmas. I mean, no, he totally missed the point of the story. He totally missed what the telegram was all about. He missed the significant moment in history. And I wonder, how many times during this Christmas season, in the midst of all the activity, all the busyness, the festivals, the events, the lights, the tradition, the family, the presents, how often do we miss the point of the story. How often do we miss what Christmas is all about? Because we're looking for the wrong things. And so my question to you this December, what are you looking for this Christmas? What are you looking for? And maybe not just Christmas or December, but in life, what are you looking for? Because we're all looking for something. This is the season of looking, by the way. Looking for the right present for your wife. Looking for the perfect gift for your husband. Looking for that toy that you know your child is going to love. Looking for the right gift for your child's teacher. Looking for your uncle at baggage claim at the airport. Looking for your lost car in the mall parking lot looking for that Amazon driver, hoping he makes it in the nick of time to save Christmas for you. We're all looking for something. Talk to any clerk at any store in town. They've heard it said hundreds of times a day during this season. When they politely ask us, may I help you? And they hear the response, no, I'm just... We're lookers. We're all looking for something. Maybe you're looking for hope this Christmas. Maybe you're looking for healing from a loss, a hurt, a wound. Maybe you're looking for a financial breakthrough or maybe a miracle in your health. We're all looking for something. So the question is, what are you looking for? And if you find what you're looking for, what will you have? 
Are you looking for the right thing? I remember my first Christmas as an 11-year-old boy without my father. You see, that year my dad decided he didn't want to be a part of our family anymore and he wanted to start a new family. And it was a difficult Christmas. My mother, brother, and sister, I didn't have a lot of money that Christmas and so instead of a, a beautiful Christmas tree, we had a piece of cardboard that we cut out to the shape of a tree and we painted it green. We had some construction paper, red and yellow, and we cut little circles out of the paper and we made ornaments for our tree. And it wasn't an easy Christmas because I was looking. I was looking every morning when I woke up. I would wake up looking throughout the house to see if maybe my dad was home. Maybe, maybe it was a nightmare. Maybe it was a dream. Maybe it's not true. Maybe I'll wake up and maybe today it'll all go back to normal. Only to have reality crash down over and over and over because I was looking for something that I was never going to find. I was looking for something that was never going to happen. You see, my father made Christmas special growing up. He loved Christmas. He loved to go crazy on us kids every Christmas. It was the one day a year I looked forward to more than any other day of the year, and now it was a day filled with sadness. A day I'd like to forget, a day I'd like to just skip over. So what are you looking for this Christmas? And if you find it, what are you going to have? Is it really going to make you happy? Is it going to give you what you really want? Because we're all looking for something. And so I want to go to a Christmas story today of a group of men who are looking for something. And I think there's a secret in there of what they were looking for and what they found that has the potential to change all of our life here today. It's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Matthew's Gospel is very different from the other Gospels. I spent a lot of time this month meditating on Matthew because it's kind of the upside-down Gospel. He does things that you don't really expect. People who should be there aren't. People who really shouldn't be there are included. Because over and over and over, his gospel is filled with the grace of God. Think about the Christmas story. The Christmas story, what did it mean to a first century Jewish person? The Messiah has come. And what does the Messiah come for? To liberate them. To overthrow the evil Roman Empire. To give them freedom. You see, it was all about their national hopes and identity. It was all a military revolution that they dreamed for. And this Messiah would come and lead this revolution. And yet here's Matthew, a traitor, hated by his own people because he worked for the evil empire, helping them oppress his own family. He was a tax collector. If anyone didn't belong in the Christmas story, it was Matthew. And here's Matthew writing this story. And so when you read Matthew's version of Christmas, you don't get a lot about Mary and Joseph. He never mentions these Jewish shepherds on the side of a hill. There's no talk of a manger. But he goes to a group of people he doesn't want you to miss. They're outsiders. They're foreigners. 
They don't belong in this story. But he doesn't want you to miss this group of people who are looking and seeking. The wise men from the east. Again, they were Persians. They were foreigners. They were outsiders. They don't belong to this Jewish hope, this this Messiah figure. They were astrologers. They studied the stars. The Jews didn't believe in astrology. They believed in theology. Why study stars when we can go to the one who made the stars? They didn't belong, and yet Matthew includes them in the story. Why? Because Matthew wants you to know it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter your family background. It doesn't matter what your family has done. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what kind of education you have. It doesn't matter if the world puts any value on you or not. It doesn't even matter about the mistakes you've made. Everybody's included in this story. Anybody that comes looking will find in this story. And Matthew wants you to see that. And so let's go to the Matthew's version of Christmas in Matthew chapter 2. And let's read this beautiful story. He says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea during the time of King Herod. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and we have come to worship him. They were looking. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were, I love this, overjoyed. Not underjoyed, not even joyed. They were overjoyed to find him. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is a gift for kings. Jesus is the king of kings. Frankincense is a gift the priests would use in worship. Jesus is our high priest. And myrrh was a gift for burial. Jesus was born to die, to be our Savior. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country another way. They went home another way. I want to point out four things out of this story that I think can help us. That if we would learn the secret of the Magi, this could potentially be the greatest Christmas of our life. Again, the question, what are you looking for? When you read this story, the Magi were looking for the right thing. They were looking for the only thing that will never disappoint you. The only thing that will never let you down. The only thing you can truly put hope in. You see, everything else you hope for, 
Everything else you, you believe in outside of him will let you down. You put all of your hope, all of your identity into your family, your family will let you down. You put it into your spouse, your marriage, it'll let you down. You put it in your children, they'll let you down. You put it in career, finances, it'll let you down. You put it into your health. I don't care how well you eat and how much you work out, your health will let you down. This is the only thing you can look for that will not disappoint. That will not let you down. Colossians 1 tells us that everything was made by him and for him. And he holds it all together. You see, without him, everything falls apart. With him, he holds it together. Doesn't mean the circumstances of your life will always be easy. But it means he will hold you together in the middle of life's storms and challenges. Here's what I know about your Christmas table tomorrow. Many of you will sit around the table. You'll enjoy an amazing meal with friends and family, children, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters. At some point, somebody at that table is going to be the last person left. It may not happen immediately. It may take years. But somebody at that table will be the last person left. Look, I know in my marriage, at some point, either my wife is going to leave before me or I will leave before her. But at some point, there will only be one of us left. But here's the good news of Christmas. He holds all things together. Because he was born as a Savior, I may not get as many years on earth as I want with my wife, but I get forever with her over there in a place that is far more beautiful, far more incredible, far more enjoyable than it'll ever be over here on the best day because he holds all things together. He will hold us together. So in Christ, the hope of being together with my family is there in him. It's possible in him, but in him alone. The second thing we see in the story is they were overjoyed when they found the house. They were overjoyed. Jesus will always exceed your expectation. I know so many people sit and think, well, I don't really want to go all in. I don't want to be a fanatic. What if, what if I give everything I have to him and it doesn't fulfill me the way I hoped and dreamed it would? My pastor, Tommy Barnett, who's now 87 years old, when he was 19 years old, he was preaching outside of Nashville, Tennessee at a little country church. And in the back of that little country church sat a young man named Elvis Presley. And as he preached the gospel and he invited people to give their entire life to Jesus, that young man sat gripping the pew because he had just been offered a contract for movies and music. He said, what if I give all of it up for Jesus and he doesn't fulfill me? What if he doesn't live up to the hype? What is if he doesn't meet or exceed my expectation? And he said, no. Well, if you read the biography of Elvis, you talk to the people that knew him and loved him, they tell you about the nightmares at night, the screams, the terrors, the dying and fear and panic and anxiety. 
that he lived with, knowing he wasn't living the life he was created to live. He gained the whole world and lost his soul. They were overjoyed when they found this Jesus. It reminds me of what Matthew said later on in Matthew chapter 13. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid the treasure and then in his joy sold everything he had to buy the field. He went all in. He gave up everything he had to acquire this. He said, this is worth more than everything else I have. They were overjoyed. Are you underjoyed? Are you joyed? Do you have joy at all? Or are you overjoyed at this Christ child, this Savior? The next thing that's interesting to me is they worshipped him. It says these wise men from the east, these, these Persian nobility, they would have likely been a part of the royal court of Persia. They would have been extremely wealthy, extremely powerful. You don't make a trip like that and bring gifts like that if you're not wealthy and powerful. They're coming to a despised part of the world that they would have looked down upon as Persians. And here they are after this long and difficult journey. They bow down on their knees to a Jewish peasant child. A poor family living under the oppression of the Roman Empire, the Romans, the, the bitter enemies of the Persians. And this poor peasant family, they get down on their knees before a two-year-old child and they worship him. They let go of all their pride. They didn't care about their image or what other people thought of them, their nobility, their wealth, their royalty. They got down on their knees before this child and they worshiped him. What would your life look like if you could get rid of the pride for a moment? Forget about your image. Forget about what everyone else around you thought. And you got down and you worshipped him. The result was, Matthew says, they left another way. And he uses the very interesting word way in the Greek language. It's a word that Matthew used over and over throughout his gospel. In Matthew 7, he talks about the narrow way. It was a word Matthew used for doctrine and theology. In Matthew 21, he talked about the way of righteousness. He uses this word. It wasn't just that they left on a different road. They left another way. They were different. They were transformed. They left with another way of thinking, another way of living. What would it be like for you today to follow the path of the Magi? To search for him to look for him, to find him, to be overjoyed at who he is, to, to bow down and worship him and lead this Christmas season another way. Many of you came into Christmas one way and God offers you to leave another way. You came in on the way of anxiety and stress and not being able to sleep at night. And God says you can leave another way, a way with peace, a peace that passes understanding. You came in with sadness and despair and loss of the challenges and the hardships that you've faced, and you can leave with the joy, a joy that is unspeakable. You came in with shame and guilt over the mistakes that you've made, the, the sins of yesterday, the things that you regret, and you can leave today completely forgiven.
righteous, accepted by God, peace with God because of what this story means. God is offering you to leave another way. So again, what are you looking for? If you found what you were looking for, what would you have? Would it be worth it? Would it be worth it? Would it bring you overjoy into your life? Years ago, I looked for a father every morning. I looked all throughout my house for a father, something that I never found. But what I didn't realize was the story of Christmas is there was a father who was looking for me. There was a father who sent his son to remove every barrier so that I could be part of his family. See, the story of Christmas is not God sent his son to start another world religion. The story of Christmas is God sent his son to be a gospel, to be good news, to do what we couldn't do. You see, religion is climbing a ladder, trying to get to God. The truth is I'll never get to God. I'll never be good enough. I could never obey well enough. I could never do enough or live the life that, that I have to live to be accepted by God. And God knew that, so he sent his son as a savior. Do you know what that word savior means? It means this baby was born to die. He was born to pay for our sins so that you and I could be forgiven. That's why we celebrate Christmas. He wasn't born to be a good teacher, to give us good advice, to live a better life. He was born to pay with his life for our life so that we could receive the gift of salvation and leave a different life way. Would you close your eyes with me for just a moment? If you're here today, Jesus invites you into his family. And he paid for all of your sins so that you could be forgiven, you could be accepted, you could be right with God. God never wanted to be your religion. He always wanted to be your father and he's building a family. And through Jesus, you've been invited to be a part of that family. If you would simply acknowledge that you are a sinner and you cannot save yourself. And acknowledge what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you. If you were the only person, he still would have died. Think about that. If every person on planet earth rejected him and you were the only person that would ever say yes to him, he still would have died if it was just didn't do it because you were good enough, because you weren't. None of us were. He did it because he loves you. And he wants you to be a part of his family now and forever.